Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, welcome on to a special Friday edition of Dunked On. And uh, we have much to discuss here. Great night of basketball yeah. last night. Uh, let us begin there. And Victor Wembanyama, it's been a disappointing season for him overall, I would say. Though starting to trend upward, we can talk more about that. And the Spurs, uh, it's been an even more disappointing season for them. So you saw this game on the schedule, like, ah, really another Spurs game. But credit the league schedule honchos because Victor Wembanyama versus Yadis Antetokounmpo was one of the best individual matchups that we've seen in some time. Hopefully we will see it many, many more times, but a tantalizing, super fun first salvo there. And I talk a lot about how rookie years for players who have Wembanyama stature or well below that are about flashes. And they're not not necessarily like how well did they play possession by possession. It's, it's those flashes. And whether it's the pass off the backboard to himself or like that wild behind the back play that worked. And then like one, it was in the third quarter that struck me. Wembenyama did like a scoop shot past Brook Lopez and just like, what? Like nobody really does that. That was oh, really yeah. interesting. And so Giannis gets Giannis and the Bucks get the win, and they certainly deserved it. We'll talk about how and why that happened. But I walked away from it being like, oh yeah, this is why Victor Wembenyama was the guy who was clearly not only number one on our pros on our draft boards, but number one in our prospects boards, but more people actually disagreed with, of course, than having him number one on our draft board. Yeah, so Wembenyama's game was remarkable. He's been on this 25, 26 minute limit and also not playing back to back. There was a weird circumstance last week where he checked himself back into the game to go over the minutes limit and then got taken out. That that was a, a little odd. But in the end, I think that it's actually been kind of a good thing for him to be playing fewer minutes. I, I think that he does have a tendency to get tired. And I think that they, it, and particularly now with him playing center, with him being involved in a lot of the defensive actions, uh, which was really fascinating to watch uh, as well, with him really playing center against the pick and roll guarding Giannis also on the other end of those Sohan had a lot of that they involved Victor quite a bit as a pick and roll defender and had him switched on to Giannis but the biggest thing that I've wanted to see from Victor is just more impact on the game from two-point range offensively and then also more impact on the defensive end and while I didn't think he was dominating defensively the Bucks are maybe the best offense in the league of late and I don't expect Victor Victor Wembenyama or anyone else uh, to stop the Bucks right now. I thought that the effort level that he was playing with, getting higher quality shots than he'd been getting was really important. So having him on this minutes limit, I'm not even sure if there's really like a cognizable re uh, reason for that medically, but I think that it's kind of teaching him how to play hard and be more impactful in the minutes that are out there because I thought 
thought he was getting tired. I thought he was floating. I thought he was getting beaten down at times. And I don't think this is the reason for it. But for him to go out there and be like, hey, I got 25 minutes to impact the game every way I possibly can, I think that's leading to him playing at a higher level. It's a great way to put it, and it was something that I noticed as well. And, and like of course, the non-Wembenyama minutes were significantly less interesting, as has been the case for the Spurs the entire year. <laughs> but the aggression that he played with on both ends of the four was good. And, and, and you've brought this up a lot, particularly back when he was playing the four, of the idea of being more aggressive defensively and understanding that overhelping a lot of times is better than underhelping. And I thought that made a huge difference. And I brought up some of his remarkable plays inside the arc. And I mean, taking 18 shots in 26 minutes is a whole lot for a guy who isn't running the offense. But I didn't think there were too many like really terrible ones overall in that profile. Like there were there were a few that, you know, I, I wish he wouldn't have taken, but nothing horrendous there. And then, I mean, I personally think that the five blocks other than the last one overstates it a bit, but he was a very impactful, positive defender out there. Yeah, certainly relative to his peers. Uh, now, I didn't think that he was particularly great as a pick and roll defender. You know, they didn't have him switching out on Damian Lillard. He's uh, mostly in a drop coverage and he like Pretty much every young big, he just needs to continue to learn the nuances of that to not let the big get behind him, how to impact and retreat. I think there are a few times also where when he switched onto the ball handler, whether it was Giannis uh, or Damian Lillard, he got up the floor a little bit too much uh, and allowed them to get behind him. But that's something that he can still impact those players from behind, just being in a stance, getting his footwork right, being close to the guy who's setting the screen as he runs up, if that's what the coverage calls for. Like All that is just stuff that he's going to have to learn. And I think having him as the center is the best way to do that get him those reps and since every other spurs center is injured basically (laughs) at this point they don't have any choice but to play him there but you know i didn't think he on a possession to possession basis was that good and Giannis with his strength i mean it was an incredible game for Giannis with 44 points in 40 minutes 19 to 28 from the field seven assists only one turnover and it wasn't just in transition for Giannis. it was when he got matched up against victor he was going to go right at him and largely got the better of him with his strength victor had a couple of big blocks on him including in the last minute where he blocks him uh, and gave the spurs a chance to tie which they just they missed a couple of wide open corner threes late uh, after blowing a a six-point lead in the last few minutes so you see with the raw tools he's gonna have to find a way to get stronger or alternatively just use his body in a way that guys can't get into his body and, yeah kind of like what chad holmgren does sure yeah and you see victor Wembanyama doesn't really make those verticality plays maybe in part because he's so big that guys don't even try him on those but like chet you see all these plays where chet comes over and chet has this unbelievable contest rate chet comes over and gets both hands up now that's easier to do when you're kind of hang out on the back line Boston Celtics big style which the Thunder kind of try to have Chet do some also in, in this when you're involved in the action two on two it's a little harder to like come over and make those rim protection plays uh, on drivers so yeah a lot of stuff that was really interesting to see with the five blocks for Wembenyama but also you saw that he's a rookie and he's not as strong as Yasin Agupo who uh you know looked like Victor at least a little bit 10 years ago Victor was never going to look like 
Giannis does now, but it was uh, certainly Giannis with his power and strength uh, caused problems for Victor throughout the night. He did. Um, yeah, let's talk about Giannis. I was going to get to another tactical element of this game, but Giannis, I actually you, you noticed his size and strength. I mean, the one Benyama stuff was obviously eye-popping, but Jeremy Sohan is listed at 6'8", 230, and Giannis basically acted like he wasn't there. And like you and I are both believers in Sohan defensively, even if he hasn't quite lived up to our expectations out there. And basically, Giannis took a blowtorch to everyone else and often to Wembenyama as well on his way to 19 of 28 from the field, um, four of six from the line. And um, he also had seven assists, had some good passes out there. And it is a reminder that the elite players in the league, especially if they have an elite physical tool or multiple in Giannis's case, they can cultivate ways to create advantages. And it doesn't have to be a dynamic jump shot or anything else. It could just be, I'm bigger and stronger than you. I'm going to put you under the basket. And Giannis is better than that than almost anyone ever. Yeah, then it was the three-pointer that was huge. He Oof. hits two threes in a row to tie the game and then to give the Bucks a three-point lead. One of them, he gets Victor switched on to him on the pick and roll. Victor is just standing basically in the paint as Giannis is out there. Giannis hasn't made a three to this point yeah he'd only and, attempted one in the first 45 minutes of the game yeah and Giannis his jumper he's been taking way fewer I think he's only taking like one per 36 from three which is part of why he's having his most efficient season in some time maybe his most efficient season full stop I need to look at his career numbers but this one down three Giannis takes it makes one and then the next possession down they run a Damian Lillard and Lopez pick and roll and I think it was Sohan helped off of Giannis at the nail exactly what you should do to mess up that action and Damian Lillard had the trust just threw it to Giannis on the left wing and that was a catch and shoot that one I like more from Giannis just that catch and shoot three rather than the off the dribble one and he took a couple of jumpers in this game where the defense was loaded up he could have made a pass like there was one time they're helping off a Lillard to load to him in the nail and he just shot a jumper because he didn't have space to drive instead of swinging it to Lillard but overall Giannis's decision making was really good I mentioned only the one turnover and that was key for Milwaukee. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? Like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house. 
Get that 100-night trial. They're 10 to 15-year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace user capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us uh, I did want to get back, actually, to a little more of Victor's offensive game. Two of eight from three, hit a couple of big ones, uh, including one that tied the game. 
after a, a big block shot a lot of his offense was trying to attack brooke lopez one-on-one and this is part of what i think is kind of interesting about victor is that now that he is the center he's being guarded by the opposing team center now if he's out there with sohan you can also put your center on sohan sure bucks didn't really do much of that i think they wanted brooke lopez guarding victor and victor it was a mixed bag for him attacking lopez he tried a couple of drives against him up top off the dribble went hard right and just lost it he ended up having five turnovers neither of those led to good shots where he started having more success was actually post up isos and then even more so running like a side pick and roll with trey jones getting it with lopez having to close out against his mid-ranger and then able to drive that one that you referenced like left-handed across the lane and one nash layup never puts the right hand on the ball lays it in while getting fouled had another couple of nice hook shots over lopez as well after he twisted himself into position on the right block and that to me was really exciting for victor and part of why we talk about the spurs not having a point guard has been so frustrating because to even just get victor the ball with like one step advantage off of a side pick and roll where they can just get it in the lane and kick it out to him made such a difference that he was able to make quick decisions quick attacks and once he gets that first step against a scrambling defense he's so hard to deal with as opposed to just all right we'll throw it to him everyone's waiting let's see him take a mid-ranger i held back on this earlier because i want to talk about Giannis, but the presence of trey jones offensively i thought made a huge difference for san Antonio. this was the first game where he was in the starting lineup and it was still far from a perfect offensive game for san antonio and like their starters were all in the negative and their bench players were mostly in the positive but you're playing the bucks like that's not a huge surprise and trey jones gives them more organization and even though he's not the greatest shooter in the world didn't make a three-pointer in this game san antonio shooting is so limited at other spots that it's not like it's killing them you know relative to where they where they are in other times and they're still not 100 healthy julian champagne started but only played 21 minutes um then you had yeah Kelton but, but Johnson. even he as someone who's just not terrible on defense and will at least take threes like, the team makes more sense with him out out there that malachi branham who was out with an ankle sprain that's why i think it's funny they've had so many injuries now that they just have basically had to (laughs) elevate trey jones and also play wembenyama at center they just haven't had a choice it's forced Mm -hmm. them into actually playing an effective lineup it is unreal and and so i thought that made a, a big difference for the flow of their offense and hopefully popovich can take something from this and continue Continue it moving forward. And you brought up Milwaukee and kind of the way they attacked the basket. 33 shots in the restricted area, 25 of those 33 overall, which is better, meaningfully better than average in terms of field goal percentage, but I believe also in terms of attempt rate. And then that doesn't include their 19 free throws, though that was not a significant advantage on San Antonio, who took 17 in and of themselves. I also thought that this was, you know, I said we saw Dominic Barlow play backup five. He didn't do a ton for me, but I still think he's a capable NBA player. And he actually, yeah. they they put put the ball in his hands a little bit and made some good passes. He can be useful for them. And yeah, he, he was three of three. And we saw this in summer league too. All like he has a good floater. He was two of two from mid range. So that's actually, you know, he's not like a dominating athlete. Uh, but yeah, they had him, he can pass a little bit working through the elbows and then then defensively he'll move he's active and he has a decent intelligence level he's undersized going against lopez like lopez got him in the post a couple of times and you know, same thing against Giannis. he's a little too small uh so i don't know if barlow is someone who can be a starter but i still think 
it's pretty remarkable that the likes of like Charles Bassey were getting tick over him early in the season. Another instance where the injuries have kind of forced them to just play the better player. Uh, and Zach Collins is out now with a, a sprained ankle also. So it's finally forcing Barlow to get some time. Uh, and, you know, he's been a favorite of ours uh, since uh, Summer League two years ago coming out of overtime elite. Another favorite of ours, though, somebody who has gotten significantly more attention and money is Devin Vassell. I thought he had a nice game overall. Not only the six and nine from three, he was really the only spur. Ah, you could say Jetty had had a couple of nice moments. Who was really taking and making threes. They they weren't great overall in that respect. Though I am happy they got up forty. But Vassell, he made four shots in the restricted area overall, seven of eight in the paint, which is encouraging for Vassell. He didn't get fouled at all, but and I didn't I didn't notice off the cuff anywhere. It's like oh, he should have gotten called for this. But facing Milwaukee to to do that damage, I thought was good. Thirty four points in thirty five minutes, and so. Part of what intrigues me about the Spurs is that there, so there's a parallel you could make to some of the more frustrating Orlando Magic teams where it's like everyone needs someone higher in the pecking order to kind of knock everyone into place. But the difference with the Spurs is A, they have cap space moving forward. They should have some decent draft picks, but also internal improvement. And so Vassell, I think he's a, somebody who could fit very well on a better version of the Spurs. And that doesn't even account for him getting better, which I fully expect to happen. Yeah, he had a great game. I was really impressed with some of his attacks of the basket. Yes. And it was funny. I'm going to check this out after I stopped talking of just what the Spurs numbers were attacking Brooke Lopez in the paint because it seemed like Wembenyama did pretty well. Vassell had a couple of beautiful, like extending, twisting finishes with the left hand around Lopez. And then everyone else would just go right into Lopez's chest and just get absolutely nothing. Like there was one time where Champagny comes in from the left wing. He's got Victor wide open coming down the lane, tries to dunk on Brooke Lopez. Almost got there actually, but missed in there. But you know, Kelton Johnson Blake, had a couple of terrible drives too. Oh yeah, yeah. Kelton Johnson is a definitely a head down guy. Blake Wesley only took one shot in his 15 minutes. He's uh, been forced in action as the backup point guard, but uh, it was a great Euro step and then got immediately blocked at the rim by Giannis. A very nice encapsulation of his career uh, to just be able to get to the basket and then something absolutely terrible happens <laughs> once he once he gets there. Uh, yeah, actually, if you had any other observation, I want to look up uh, how uh, Lopez did defensively. I thought Lillard had a solid game overall. You know, he, it, he only made one three and it was an impressive one. He just fired away and said, my transition for his yeah. one he was out of the working threes early in the third and then he decided well if i'm not hitting my three i'll just go shoot step back from two-point range and he just started making all those overall he was nine of 13 from two you will you will live with that and also 10 assists zero turnovers a game high tied with Giannis plus 11 for Lillard and it it was weird that it wasn't like dame time and crunch time like especially because Giannis made those two threes those were each with about like three and three two thirty left um, but they were able to get enough offense from other spots. Giannis, Giannis had more of an advantage, I would say, overall. Lillard did get a couple opportunities there, but I thought he I thought he played well overall, and I appreciated Lillard reacting to the three ball not falling at its normal rate by doing something different, and that something different worked. Yeah, particularly against this team, and that some of what he was able to get from two-point range was Wembenyama struggling a little bit in, in pick-and-roll defense. Uh, back to Lopez, by the way. Yeah, he contested. 12 shots at the rim and San Antonio only made five of them. So that mm-hmm. was uh, in his 33 minutes. That, that was pretty good. That's one of the benefits of actually being able to go 
back when the tracking data is up the next day. Let's see if I had anything else here. Yeah, in Sohan and then Trey Jones missing wide open corner threes in the last couple of minutes. That that was pretty rough. That that it's, Trey Jones one was a heartbreaker. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, the Spurs run a nice play. One of the other things actually I liked about Wembenyama was how hard he was moving off the ball to get into screens. Again, maybe a function of the fact that he's not playing as many minutes. Like he had a back door where he mm-hmm. faked to cut to the basket and then went back door on Giannis uh, and got an easy dunk. That was pretty exciting to see because we talked about how Victor, it's like, if you're going to try to deny him the ball and deny him in position, he's not strong, but he's so big that if he gets behind you, you can just throw it to him very easily. So he used that. And then on the last play of the game, they tried to get Vassell open coming off the screen. They run a pick and roll. Then Victor goes away, screens for Vassell. Malik Beasley, of all people, does a great job of getting through the screen, stays on Vassell. They throw it back to Victor. Two guys go to Victor with his gravity. They're really worried he's going to shoot it at 7-5 over them, and he passes it to Trey Jones wide open in the corner, and just, like, that's one of those shots that, I mean, even the best shooters are probably, it's only a 45% shot for them, but it's just, that's one that you really would have hoped that they could have made if you're the Spurs, so... Yeah, I mean, not not the most impressive Bucks game. Chris Middleton plays for the first time on a back-to-back since 2022. He's great in the first half, 12 points plus 7, 5-8 from the field, and then they just don't play him in the second half. It was just a, just a test to see whether he... Who, who is he, Jacques Vaughn? <laughs> Or who's his coach, Jack Vaughn? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they start Connaughton in the second half. Spurs really kind of controlled the second half uh, up until uh, the very end, leading by six uh, in the last couple of minutes until Giannis just completely took over at that point. And yeah, the Bucks go to a zone in the last three minutes. I didn't think it particularly flummoxed the Spurs. They were able to get Wembenyama the ball in the middle. He got fouled once, made one out of two. And but that that's kind of the break glass in case of emergency. Adrian Griffin move these days. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk about the other game from last night that I was at. The Golden State Warriors continue to pile up incredibly impressive candidates for their worst loss of the season. In this one, they led by 18 with 6 minutes 51 seconds remaining and scored a mere 4 points the rest of the way against Denver and the Nuggets pull off an improbable 130 to 127 win as Nikola Jokic banks in a shot from the hash mark even beyond the hash mark uh, on the right side in Steph's house to hit a Steph-like shot against him anything that really stands out to you from the meat of this game or, or statistically before I kind of talk about some of the observations down the end well I, I, a little bit of context at the beginning that this Thursday was Golden State's fourth loss in five games a couple of those have been close including that Christmas Day game to Denver which got a little like that it was you and I discussed it at length on the pod but like get there and then 
what I would argue is one of their worst losses of the season was that home loss to Miami, where they Miami was missing a bunch of their dudes. Yeah. And well, and then Miami did the uh, did the same thing to to LA a couple nights later. Too. True. True. They did. And and so I mentioned the Warriors lost four out of five. Four of those five, though not four of the five losses, have been at home, and then they will play. They'll get a probable win against Detroit later on Friday. We'll have to see. That's one that we'll keep an eye on later. And, I mean, overall, I thought that Stephen Curry had a good game. He had some miscues late, was a part of the collapse that that happened. But something that en- ended up getting a little bit of follow-up on on Friday during the day is Steve Kerr still trying to figure out these rotations, still trying to figure out who he trusts, at least of the available players. Yeah, Hollinger and I talked about Kaminga and the report that he's lost confidence in Steve Kerr, which has kind of been two and a half years coming. And he has been been yanked around by Kerr quite a bit. And Kerr clearly was searching and just didn't really have any great answers, particularly against this Nuggets team where you needed someone to guard. Jokic, I think he should have leaned into the offense a little bit more because they weren't stopping Denver anyway. They don't have an alignment that's going to stop Denver with this team. So they might as well have just kept scoring. You know how I like to say when you're down, go more defense, which is actually what Michael Malone ended up doing, pulling Michael Porter Jr. and going to Peyton Watson. And in Instead, they put Looney out there, probably leave him out there for too long. Steph is getting double teamed. They can't make him pay. That was the early part of it. Then they try to take out Andrew Wiggins and put in Sharich next to Looney. Then they put in Jackson Davis. So it's actually probably the best way to go. That was their most effective alignment against Jokic. It was actually Sharich guarding Jokic. And then Jackson Davis as someone who could actually roll to the basket and do something. He had the last Warriors points of the evening with just under three minutes remaining to give them a seven-point lead off of a short roll that Looney wasn't able to make them pay on. But I, I really thought Michael Malone pushed all the right buttons in this game, particularly down the end, putting in Watson, who hits the, the key three to cut it from seven to four under two minutes to go. He calls timeout after they get a steal with 3.5 seconds remaining, where that's like, that's just great job by the coach knowing exactly how much time is left because another second or two, you would have wanted to actually just push it down to try to see if you could get something in transition, but there wasn't realistically enough time for that. There wasn't a much time to do much of anything either to get it to Jokic but they at least were able to do that and let their best player get the shot off at the end uh they were really doing a great job like that one point they put Jokic on Chris Paul to say hey if you want to have Chris Paul be your screen and roll man uh and against Jokic let's do that when Looney was out they had Jokic press up or out there I should say they had Jokic press up more and force him to force Steph to give the ball up to Looney who they felt like couldn't do much they he also puts in Watson to get more defense on the backside if they do have to put two on the ball on Steph and so the it wasn't a question of like the Warriors missing open shots like they only got maybe two or three decent looks the entire end of the game something that connects to that is though there were some feedback loop issues here as well but overall in this game both teams were horrendous in terms of transition frequency but in many ways i would say more importantly for the warriors at different times transition success you had a 100 deep uh, offensive rating in transition for denver and that dwarfed the warriors 83 and the uh, attacking like the the frequencies were super low the warriors played 88 percent of their possessions in the half court which is unusually high that is also one of the weaknesses of starting chris paul and playing him 30 minutes is that generally he can go that direction and then some of the some of the other lineups are, are there too 
that wasn't, I don't think, the like primary problem that happened late, but it was part of the reason why, you know, they that things could have things have could have gone differently beforehand and changed changed everything ahead of the, the collapse. So John and I talked more extensively about the Warriors and their rotation issues, but maybe we should start the news with them because uh first there's this report that Kaminga has lost faith in Steve Kerr. John and I talked about that pretty extensively, but anything that you wanted to add to that? I'll echo a criticism that I've levied on Steve Kerr a number of times, which is that he what the his the things that he values and the things that he fears in players, I think are poorly suited to his current roster. He at times is too he he goes for guys who like have good instincts and and good reactions but aren't as necessarily as aggressive making things happen and Kuminga at this juncture is one of their only good defenders you've made the good point previously that they also right now without Draymond do not have a sufficient number of guys who can like dribble and make good decisions and shooting can be a problem at times too but with Kuminga I've seen enough and incidentally you know in this game where Peyton Watson gets trusted for some big late minutes you know there there are enough moments for him that he sh- I don't think he should get yanked around particularly when the other options aren't exactly setting the world on fire yeah he had 16 points in 19 minutes and did it on 10 shooting possessions and had four assists one turnover plus six and the Warriors starting lineup actually played pretty well also so I do understand his annoyance at not coming back in and I thought that Kerr like oh he'd been sitting for a while I shouldn't bring him back in was a, a little weird now Andrew Wiggins was having a pretty good moment as well the Warriors go on a big run late third quarter early fourth quarter to build this 18 point lead then they they close actually with no Wiggins and no Kaminga I don't think this is easy for Steve Kerr I think a lot of people say oh it's so obvious Moody should play Kaminga could play all right well so then who are you not playing and like yeah they have a lot of good players but particularly without Draymond Green it does doesn't fit and you still need to play a center defensively but none of their centers are really perfect options either but they're throwing a lot of minutes at that position and they don't have enough ball handling that's partly because of clay thompson and maybe clay thompson should be less of a sacred cow in the closing lineup than he's been still going forward but they just have too many good players like you can say pajemsi shouldn't play he's been awesome so far and he does different things than kuminga does and they're sort of in this pickle now where it's either got to be kuminga or wiggins and they don't really have the personnel to play those two guys together and also play clay thompson at the same time as well because then that leaves you short on ball handling so they're they're just i feel for kuminga because i do think he could in theory be doing more and i think he has played well the last month and a half or so and i think also but I understand A, his frustration, and B, the feeling that he needs to get somewhere or play enough that he's in line for a, if not quite Jaden McDaniels type of money, at least, you know, DeAndre Hunter, Keldon Johnson kind of money on an extension, if not more than that. And he's been productive in his playing time. He's shoot, shooting like 57% from the field. He doesn't shoot threes very well or, or very often, which also kind of makes him a little bit harder of a fit. But certainly, especially for him to be like hey it's not like you know we have some like 55 win team here right like you, you know i should be playing more I, I i understand that that feeling even if i understand why he's not playing more do you love that he decided to say he's lost confidence in steve kerr i think that's that's maybe going a little far I well think you i, I to, assume you, it's you, gone through private channels 
previously and that it was that things didn't yeah. change. And so you, you know, it's, it's not a last step, but it is yeah, worth I, that. I mean, so, well, let me ask you this. You think it's, do you think that saying this, letting this get out is a good business decision for Jonathan? Kuhn? Yes, I do. Because it, it puts a little more feet to the fire to the warriors, not as much Kerr as much as the organization, Mike Dunleavy and company to decide what they want here. And there, th- there is a huge incentive for Jonathan Kaminga to be in a place where he will play and be valued before his extension window opens and to, to try to get that. Now, it may end up being, especially with the up and down nature of his career so far, that Kaminga has to linger a little while longer. There, there are players like Emmanuel Quickly where that could work out reasonably well. But for Kaminga, that has to be frustrating. And the idea that there could have been this thing of, oh, you know, we have all these other guys and we need to do that. Well, Draymond Green has been suspended for, oh, I believe it's 11 games now, not even including the previous Gobert suspension. And he, ha- you know, he's gotten ostensible starts, but like in this game, he plays 19 minutes, he is a part of some successful groups and then doesn't come back in. I, I think that what this does is it puts a little more heat on the decision makers to actually make a decision. Yeah, and Slater's been writing about this for a long time. This has been a theme going back to the playoffs. Like I do think he there hasn't been he hasn't gotten the runway that other players in his position as a number seven pick who's been like pretty productive at times would be getting. And it's also not like, oh man, you're gonna fuck up this amazing team chemistry we have. Like we're winning, shut up. Like we like no, they're not winning. Like they're not winning a championship this year in all likelihood. So it, it's not like he's and Draymond is about to come back to like that could cut into his minutes even more if Kerr still insists on playing Draymond like Draymond should almost really play exclusively at center if he's even going to be you know a major part of what they're doing going forward which doesn't necessarily seem the case I guess we should talk about that next and I agree with you I think I think this is a I, I mean to say maybe there should be a little bit more I think it would be would have been better to say like he's questioning his future in the organization rather than to make it specifically about Steve Kerr I think that's how I would have couched it where you're just kind of like hey it's more of a business decision and like are these guys really gonna pay me like is there playing time like you make it more about just ah you know maybe this isn't the circumstance for me as opposed to like this fucking guy the coach you know like that's I I think that's that would have been a better way to couch it rather than to put it on Steve Kerr although I mean maybe management wants him to play more too maybe maybe that's uh (laughs) so maybe it's not about that but uh but yeah I mean I I think when he himself played what because you do lose credibility as a coach if you're like hey do these things and you'll get to play more now sometimes that's just not true right sometimes you're just you might do everything in your power and you're just you're not the right matchup that night or other guys are playing well or or whatever or so yeah i think they've kind of used the cudgel of i can play more if you do these things and i mean i don't he certainly didn't like play poorly in all of these aspects last night and, and didn't get an opportunity to get back in the game at all Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What else we got here, Golden State was? Woj reported, I believe that was on Thursday, that Draymond Green will return to the Warriors facility and all of that in coming days. He will return from his indefinite suspension at an indefinite time. We're still, it's still all murky there. Green will miss his 12th game on Friday, and there still is no return date set. It's getting closer. And as Dan Feldman brought up at Daily Dunks, this is super weird because there was nothing preventing Draymond Green from engaging with the team, from being in the facility in this situation, as far as anyone knows. And so it lends itself to the question of like, is Draymond Green going to be in playing shape? Is he going to like, is he going to need more time? And when you consider- I'm going to guess no. I am too. And that's a huge problem for the Warriors, who, as I mentioned, are 16 and 18 and are looking for it. And so- it's not as egregious as like some of the Ben Simmons stuff where like Ben Simmons is not with the Sixers. That wasn't a suspension, obviously. But then he has to ramp up after the trade happens and then in and gets hurt in the ramp up. Like the idea of like you could be ready and just and do that. But Draymond hasn't done that. And he is in the first year of this four year contract. We'll have to kind of get an understanding of what the dynamic is there. And the Warriors desperately need good minutes from him. And and like kind of as you were alluding to, but I want to be more outright about this. The minutes that Draymond Green should be primarily taking in the Warriors rotation are Kavon Looney's. There are specific matchups where that is not the case. And incidentally, Denver being one of them because you, you need you need certain things or like the Kings or a few other matchups. But to me, even if it puts a little bit more strain on Draymond and too bad, so sad, he missed a bunch of the season already. We're going to work you a little bit harder. A combination of Jackson Davis, Draymond, and then spot minutes for Looney. To me, that's how you handle the five moving forward. Well, to, don't forget Charge too. He's been a, oh, of course. a solid yeah, player for you. them as well. Um, Gary Payton II comes back from a torn calf that cost him a month, plays a couple of games, and immediately tears his hamstring grade two so this will be at least a month uh, out for him in all likelihood now that does again make it easier to get some of these other guys into the rotation but Peyton is the one guy who actually I think makes this group viable defensively it's either that or you play Wiggins and coming it together and put Draymond out there too but this Golden State team just with staff Chris Paul who tries but you know he's he can't guard Jamal Murray as the primary matchup the way he did in the starting lineup last night or Pajemski is a really good team defender and so many even like 15 year veterans could learn a lot about NBA defense by watching the way he plays but he's also too small to guard guys one on one they just don't have anyone who can guard the ball on this team and Peyton is, was a big part of that he knows how to play with Steph just some of their cutting game their fast break game looks much better when he's out there but he just has not been able to stay healthy let's move uh down the left coast to another of the old lions experiencing a bit of drama right now yes and we do not know exactly who the six sources for shams Tranya and jovan buha six are sources that's when's the last time you heard that sort of enumeration something like this uh, how many clutch players are there on the lakers right now i'm not entirely sure i think it's around six um but so per, per uh, shams uh, like with a k because because see they they probably have about two they probably have about two um so the way that shams and yovan phrased it is there is a growing disconnect between head coach darvin ham and his players according to those six sources the disconnect is driven by ham's adjustments to the starting lineup and the rotation um the lakers have been struggling to find a rhythm that last part is objectively true they have been struggling to find a rhythm i will first of all i'm mostly going to take ham's side in this if there are sides to be taken because 
injuries have been a big fuel for the, some of the changes that have happened in the rotation. They've had guys, you know, like D'Angelo Russell and various other guys coming in and out of the lineup. And typically when a team isn't playing well and they're trying to do something, like find trying to find something is a logical way to do it. It's not the only way, but if you don't have confidence in your kind of base configuration, trying something new is a completely reasonable strategy to make. Yeah, now, does it make sense to start LeBron James at point guard with Reddish and Jared Vanderbilt together at the same yeah. time along with Davis like not even play a guard like I don't know about that I mean now D'Angelo Russell's been out with this tailbone contusion I think maybe they should be trying to get more time for Max Christie he might actually be uh, in the end like the best offensive player of Vanderbilt Reddish uh, and himself like Torian Prince has been the one guy who can make any shots on this team it seems like so he's got to be out there ham had that statement about austin reeves like playing better off the bench which he has but i think at some point you have to bring him back to being a starter which they finally have done christian wood hasn't played at all basically since early in the season he's really been out of the rotation the last month if not more than that except when they've been super injured so and gabe vincent has been out gabe vincent was probably their best role player in terms of being able to hit shots and defend and also be someone who can guard the ball without being a total zero on the offensive end but he's been out the entire season and he's not gonna be back until after the deadline uh, so there's a point at which after the in-season tournament it seemed like some of these role players were coming through now you just see so many of these games where it's lebron and ad shoot 60 percent, and rest of team just can't make anything at all so i understand ham trying to find stuff i don't uh, i think they just probably just need to get back to playing austin reeves 35 minutes a game and hope that that uh, can kind of help solve some of these issues that they're having but you would hope hope I mean, given how healthy lebron and ad have been and how well those guys have played although you do wonder like maybe they're not as effective offensively if the rest of these guys uh, or, or if their overall offensive performance has been so miserable even if they are putting up individual stats i'm uh i i do feel for him but i also like it's you probably need to not be doing kind of weird stuff with the rotation like quite this often and particularly i think the going to a starting lineup without either russell or reeves when both were healthy was something that really raised a lot agreed and i will note that if darvin ham gets relieved of his duty it will be the fourth coach of lebron's lakers tenure which is a lot and it wouldn't be the first time that a lebron team either changed coaches prominent coaches or wanted to and didn't i mean you could go back to miami and various other things for that not saying it's necessarily lebron is one of the six but it could be and then on the lakers injury front Rui Hashimura has a grade one sprain of his left cat strain of his left calf. That could have been worse. So I think that you could phrase that as yeah, overall that, good. That's hopefully for the more like a two weaker type of thing. Correct. And so Hashimura, good that it's not worse, but he will be out for roughly that long. The next piece of news for me is it's murky right now, but Franz Wagner sprained his right ankle on Wednesday in this game against Sacramento. And we don't have anything definitive in terms of a grade or a timeline, but Magic PR said that Wagner's return to play will depend on how he responds to rehabilitation and treatment. That's not good. Doesn't sound good. And when you consider how much offensively has been on Wagner and Bencaro because of their absent guards and guards that are deficient offensively in the first place, any time he misses will be a huge problem for Orlando. 
window. Yeah, and same with Gary Harris, uh, a right calf strain for him. You imagine that'll be at least a couple of weeks. We don't have a grade designation there. He's not playing tonight against the Nuggets. Uh, Markel Fultz still hasn't been able to return from this knee tendonitis. It seemed like there was a point at which he was ramping up where they were at least upgrading his classification and still hasn't been able to debut. Joe Ingles is still out with his sprained ankle. They won't play Anthony Black more than the Keith Bogans minutes, even with everybody else uh, and their brother out. And I, I think Isaac. Isaac is still out too, I believe. Yeah. He, he didn't play in that double OT game against the Kings. Yeah. So we'll talk more about the Magic, uh, watch their games against Phoenix uh, and Sacramento uh, in the 15 and 60 over the weekend. Jimmy Butler has returned to Miami for this soreness and I don't know what they're calling this right foot injury uh but does it doesn't look like he's going to be making an imminent return necessarily Milwaukee could desperately use the return of Jay Crowder just to get a little bit of additional size a little bit of even like Jay Crowder knowing where to be and having decent hands defensively and a little bit of size just to, as another body uh, along the back line not that he's a rim protector but if you get your bigs out on the floor he can at least do something back there you know he's not a great individual individual defender he was always kind of overrated there but can defend in the team concept so getting him back you know hopefully that's a couple of weeks away now with him uh, coming back from that abdominal surgery malachi flynn will be back for new york uh with the right ankle sprain hadn't played since the trade we'll see he'll be in competition with miles mcbride for that backup point guard job what else do we got here uh on the trade market some notable scuttlebutt yeah and you and i don't often talk a lot about trades at this juncture of the year because we're still a month away from a lot of things crystallizing but jake fisher had something that i thought was notable where he said that the kings were calling other front offices about harrison barnes kevin herter who has been supplanted yeah. in uh, the about trading those guys away basically yes about trading those guys away clear so you could refer to that as actively shopping if you want but so but what i was mentioning is that herter has been supplanted by duarte in the starting lineup though duarte only played 10 minutes in that triple overtime game i can't remember if there was an injury there um but and davion mitchell presumably on the block as well considering how little he's played um but sacramento is not apparently willing to move keegan murray in a deal for pascal siakam yeah, nor personal should they be. what nor should they be sure and but what to me what that means is that they're also not getting pascal siakam and um i think that's totally fine for sacramento because they can trade first their first this year is lottery protected and then it is diminishing protection from there we'll see how sacramento season goes so they could you know first allowable draft etc they could get there but if keegan Murray's not in the deal i don't think Masai Ujiri does it and i agree with you that that is a reasonable decision for money mcnair to make and then on the raptors front we passed the deadline um right before new year's where pascal siakam basically it's the you could think of it as the extend and trade deadline or in this case it would probably be the trade and extend deadline because basically if you make it this is going back to carmelo anthony that if you trade for a player there are re- additional restrictions for six months wh- whichever order that whether you sign an extension that that is outside of those norms or outside of those rules or you get traded so what this means is that functionally siakam will hit free agency is the reasonable expectation it's not guaranteed but seems likely and okay you know that that just means that teams can get there and there are people within the basketball world who i think overrate that it, this isn't as egregious as og and Anobi, where it's like he was never going to sign an extension 
the first place. There may still be a path for Siakam, especially if there's some player flexibility, like a player option the last year or something like that. But just because you acquire a player who is a pending free agent does not mean you have no idea whether they're willing to stay or not or what the terms of that deal would be. And and again, his former teammate OG Anobi is a great example of that. So I think that moving past that line is it does shift things a bit, but not that much. Fisher also noting, and John and I talked about this guy as well today, and I, I gave my Siakam thoughts uh, pretty extensively with John today also, uh, that the Wizards hope to receive multiple first-round picks for Kyle Kuzma, but I think one would be plenty for him. The Levine market is quiet. John and I talked about some of the reasons uh, for that as well. well Nate, it's, Nate, it might be about time for the Levine market to heat up. We are mere minutes away from both Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic returning to the lineup for the Bulls. Vuce yeah, has been out with coming off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Vooch coming back from a strained left groin. Zach Levine has been dealing with this injury for he's been out for more than a month. Um, and so we'll we'll see those guys, you know, a, a, a gentle landing playing against the at home against the Charlotte Hornets in a game that will be starting shortly. Lonnie Walker has been out more than a month and he is available for the Nets game on Friday against the Thunder, which is in process right now. That left hamstring strain has lingered. Hopefully he could be great. I, I talked about how well he's played when he's been available in the awards pod that we did. We still don't know which of Dallas's kind of support players are going to be available to play. Dante Exum and Rashawn Holmes are doubtful. Derek Lively and Grant Williams are questionable. And let's see, I'll, I'll just say all the injuries. Exum, right heel contusion, Holmes, personal reasons, Lively, left ankle sprain, Grant Williams, right ankle sprain. The one of those that that stuck with me a little bit is Derek Lively, because Lively left the game, their game Wednesday against the Blazers, who they're playing again on Friday, early with a left ankle sprain. And that's the same ankle that he had deal, he had issues with in December. So yeah. might want to be a little bit cautious there. Well, and I think maybe they were because they were destroying a, a an unfit Blazers team. And so the fact that he's questionable for this one against the, the Blazers, again, they probably know Luca tonight either in that one due to a quad issue. So we'll maybe they just feel like they can take care of the Blazers uh, anyway uh, with just uh, Kyrie out there. Be interesting to see. Dan also wrote about this latest uh, Kyrie kerfuffle, which th- doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It seems like it most was a, a miscommunication over the sign in Utah. And then I guess we can close on this that the Cavs and Ricky Rubio, as expected, have agreed to a contract buyout. And Rubio, in his statement, really alluded to being in an extremely dark place over the summer and he thought he was in control of it. He realized one night that he wasn't and that's when he decided to step away both from the Spanish national team and also from the Cavaliers. Uh, The reporting is if he ever does return to play, he'd probably be in Spain and he had a $4.3 million guarantee for next year. We don't know, I believe, exactly how much of the buyout he is getting. That should become available relatively shortly once it actually officially crosses the wire and Rubio I mean he was a phenom going back to the 2008 Olympics which he played in as a 17 year old and was actually like reasonably effective even at going against USA and there was a feeling that he was going to be one of the next like great superstars and he had preternatural anticipation on defense one of the best passers people had seen as it turned out both due to injuries he tore that ACL twice including his rookie year which was just a massive bummer uh, after he didn't come over for two years as well i wonder if things would have been any different if he had come 
over earlier, but was still drafted number five, even though he couldn't come over for two years. And in the end, his scoring game just wasn't good enough to truly unlock his passing. And he probably topped out as, you know, maybe like the 20th best point guard in basketball, maybe slightly above that. So that was a disappointment for a guy who was that much of a phenom, but he also was just a really good player for a long time, was an incredible player as Spain won a lot uh, under his stewardship uh, at point guard as well. He probably was at his best uh, in international competition. So, and definitely like a great statesman. Everybody really loved playing with him, being around him. And so I I hope that he's able to find more happiness uh, as a, at least for now, ex-professional basketball player. I will echo your sentiments entirely on on well wishes for Rubio. One of my favorite point guard prospects ever. I came up as a draft guy and Rubio was one of my absolute favorites. Tall guys who can pass, he's he's 6'2", not as big as like Sean Livingston, who could pass and maybe couldn't shoot were always a a weakness for me. And Rubio's, (laughs) his feet was truly elite and i loved how he was productive in europe but he was in international play and everything else and an important part of an extremely memorable 2009 draft class that had some real hits and some real misses in that top 10 including getting drafted alongside johnny flynn i believe personally the best piece ethan sherwood strauss has ever written is about this draft i'm sure it's available somewhere right now it's it's incredible and just like because he was shadowing rubio and not knowing all the insanity that was going to happen for him going five and then having another point guard pure one going that spot and it not being Stephen curry and i've i've really appreciated him and it's unfortunate rubio kind of in some ways he came in at the wrong time in the sense that shooting from the point guard position became much more important and he never brought that part especially the on-ball shooting he averaged i think it was like three three pointers per game attempts per game which is not really what the modern vintage is but still someone i was delighted to watch and covered at, at different moments in time and wish him the absolute best all right that will do it for today's show we'll be back sunday night big time 15 in 60 on the east lots to catch up on everything that happened over the holiday break and hope that you will join us then we're also doing a nba league pass game who is playing in that game anyway danny should probably start preparing for that at some point clippers lakers oh yeah that's right oh that's gonna be good yeah everyone's gonna be healthy for that too uh at least everyone that we care about not not every <laughs> laker but hopefully i mean i guess there's there's still one game between now and then that could ruin it so fingers fingers crossed but that will be an awesome one what is that 6 30 pacific yes 6 30 pacific awesome all right well we will uh talk to you all then we'll talk to you on dunked on prime later that evening till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.